everybody welcome back this is the walking well podcast and i am your host jalon martz this is episode 29 it's actually the last episode of season one of the walking well podcast and it's been like eight months which is crazy um i started this podcast not necessarily because i wanted to but because god wanted to i believe um And, you know, my heart was just to share wisdom with women, to have women on, have men on, um, maybe one day to kind of just talk about how to walk through life wisely, how to avoid potholes, how to take their bot lessons and to take our lives further with that. And so um, it's been so amazing on this journey. There have been times where it's been a challenge and a struggle, you know, to do both, to do the things that are like my everyday responsibilities and, you know, put things out on the podcast, but it has been a faith walk. And I just love to hear, you know, when my my day-to-day people tell me it's blessed them and that's such an awesome testimony of kind of just feeling like you're in the flow and where you're supposed to be and especially an encouragement when you're like, oh, is anybody listening? Does anybody care? You know, so I just appreciate my listeners. I appreciate you guys. You know, um, it's it's meant a lot. Your your listenership has meant a lot to me. Um, and I pray that it has been that this the the podcast has been a high point. I pray that you've gained something and um, that it's meant something uh, to you and that you've been able to take, you know, anything that's practical and live it. My heart is always to give you practical things that, um, I want your life to be flooded with light, but I also want your life, the, the, the way that you live to be changed and altered for the better. So I pray that this has been that for you. Um, so this month we are talking about the power of women, the power of being a woman. And, um, I know I have some male listeners or at least one. <laughs> so, um, you know, I hope that you don't unplug or, you know, uh, push away from the table because I think the things that we are discussing are still very pertinent, um, because it's, it's about repairing brokenness. It's about, you know, taking the broken way that we've lived, um, and, and repairing that and restoring that. One of my favorite verses, um, is Isaiah 61, four, and it says that, you know, the verses before talking about the righteous, but the verse says that they will repair, they'll be called repair of the breach, restore of streets to dwell in. And I just feel like that is such a central part of my calling to um, partner with God to repair breaches, to restore ruins, the the broken and dilapidated ways that we live our lives for his wisdom to come in and bring healing and wholeness and restoration. So um, I hope the men don't unplug because this isn't all of us sort of thing, all of us sort of topic. So just to recap, we have been, you know, discussing the power of women. And so we started with talking about the strength of women and that, you know, our strength is something uh, beautiful about us. It's something that um, we should embrace because typically that area where we're, we're battered and beaten down so often is our area of strength. And we really got to learn how to use that skillfully for the Lord. Um, and then my wonderful mother came on and we talked about the influence of a woman that, you know, influence just like strength is meant for service and that we've really got to partner with God and yield our influence over to him to serve others. And that that's not really like a woman only thing. Like that's a belief thing, right? 
We should all be living our lives. You know, that's Romans 12, one through two, that you submit your bodies, your faculties, your skills, your talents, your goods, your resources to him um, as a reasonable sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing. Um, and so that's what, what women are called to. You know, we are agents of, of amazing influence. Um, but if we don't know how to submit that to the Lord and to walk in that skillfully, we use our influence to our detriment and to the detriment of those around us. Um, and last week, we talked about the capability of a woman. We talked about how, you know, wherever a woman is called, she is empowered to be in that, um, you know, wherever uh, you are, you are placed, whoever you're connected to, whatever role you play in whomever's life or organization or ministry or church or, you know, whatever relationships that you have, you are empowered to be there. There's nothing that you can't handle because you have the spirit of God on the inside of you. Um, women, you know, we are the queens of make, taking good and making it better. And so you have that capability on the inside of you as a woman. Today, um, we are tackling a subject near and dear to my heart. And I, I don't know if it'll kind of elicit a, if it'll trigger people. Um, but we're talking about biblical equality today. And the subject is near and dear to my heart because, um, I feel like I've, I've enjoyed the fruits of, um, having understanding on this topic of knowing that God did not create me inferior to men. He created me to stand side by side um, with my brothers in the faith, with men in the world, you know, like <laughs> women stand on equal platform and playing field with men because that's original intent. So that's kind of the direction that we're going today. Buckle up, put your seatbelts on if that felt uncomfortable. <laughs> but I really want to lay, you know, this is not exhaustive by any means. There are people that have written articles and books and have you know, sermon series and, and all sorts of things on this topic, on the topic of equality or the lack thereof or hierarchy or whatever. Um, but this is kind of just like a little, it's just a little building block for you. Um, so, you know, if you're not aware, there are lots of different perspectives on the place and the role of women um, within the church and not just within the church as a means of like, where can women serve? Where can they not serve? But just like, who women are supposed to be through a, a biblical or a Christian perspective or lens. There, there's lots of sort of differing beliefs on that. You know, there are people that are on the spec, the end of the, you know, that women should not, um, you know, wear pants or makeup. You know, there are people that feel that women should not preach and pastor. Um, there are women or there are people that their perspectives, <laughs> their perspectives that feel that, you know, women can preach and pastor. Um, that women lead their families and homes with their husbands. Um, there's sort of like this, this continuum, the spectrum of kind of how we feel about who women can and can't be, who they should and shouldn't be, what they should and shouldn't do, you know, that a woman's place is in her home and that she's safe through childbearing and, you know, that women aren't allowed to teach. There's just the spectrum of beliefs about, you know, who women can and can't be. And so, like I said, this is not exhaustive. This is kind of, again, just a single building block that I hope you can kind of take um, and and build out with, you know, searching the scriptures for yourselves. I have a couple different resources that I'll give you guys at the end um, of just things that I'm reading, that I've read, that I've listened to, that have impacted me. Um, so, yeah, so we're just going to kind of start with the beginning, right? We'll always try to start with original intent as it's laid out in the scriptures. So at the beginning in Genesis one, you know, God is creating and he, he kind of finishes off his creation with the creation of humanity, of man. And um, in Genesis one, let's look at it here. Verse 26, 27. 
26 to 27, God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God is consulting with, you know, he's a trying being, so it's let us, let Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, decide that we're going to create human humanity, mankind in our image and our likeness. And verse 27 um, is where we'll kind of like launch off. So God created man, mankind in his own image, in the image and likeness of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So first, first point, right? God has created people. He's distilled himself into two distinct beings, one male, one female. Um, and so this is kind of like the first part of the challenge, right? So if, you know, we're going to tackle, you know, inferiority, superiority of the sexes, um, first God has started by making mankind men and women in his image. And if, you know, if I may pose a question, which aspect, which distilled version of God is inferior or superior to the other? You know, we are different by far. One is male, one is female. Um, but what has been endowed somehow with less um, equipment, less ability to go forward and be all that God is calling them to be, whether that be ministry or job or whatever. We'll start there, right? So God has created them male and female. He's distilled himself into two distinct beings, but each equally reflective of the character and nature of God. Different, but equally reflective. Okay, so there's that. So then we get into Genesis 2, where God sort of, um, you see him kind of fulfill this. It's almost like Genesis 1 is like the summary. And then Genesis 2, he goes into detail about this whole male and female. He created them sort of thing, right? So he's created Adam. He's given Adam a job. He's like, yo, keep the garden, dress it, take care of the animals, name them, by the way. And as Adam's naming them, he notices everyone's got its pair but him. And he's like, wow, okay, that's that's new, interesting. And God saw that Adam was alone and he was like, oh, this isn't good. Everything up until this point has been good. He created them. It's great. Garden of Eden, plants, fruit bearing, you know, animals, all of that. It's been good. And he gets to this point with Adam where he's like, it is not good that he's alone. And so in Eden, in God's paradise, there's a problem. And what is the solution to the first problem of human existence? A woman. <laughs> a woman, right? And so he, you know, causes Adam to fall asleep and he takes a rib out of Adam's side and creates woman. And woman was already inside of man at that point, right? So like, as God has given Adam an instruction, he simultaneously at the same time gave that instruction to Eve because she was already within Adam. Like Eve was not this thing that he pulled out of the sky and was like, oh, I got to, I got to catch you up to date here. This is what's been going on. Eve was already inside of Adam when Adam was given the command to keep the garden and dress it and all that good stuff. So, um, so he gives them the command, hey, take dominion. Um, so let's, we'll scoot back to verse or to chapter 128. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it using its vast resources and the service of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and over every, every living thing that moves upon the earth. So already God is giving them a single command. He's saying to both of them, hey, Take dominion, Adam. Take dominion, Eve. Take dominion, Adam. You know, um, subdue, subdue, Eve. Create, multiply. Do all of, he's given both of them a command. Both of them. 
He's speaking to both of them. So now they are co-laborers in the command and fulfilling the command that God has given them. We have yet to see any hierarchy, um, any sort of, dis- like they're both commanded to, to take dominion, subdue, multiply, fill the earth, replenish the earth is actually what the, what the actual word says. So he's given them a command. We don't see any leveling up or leveling down of either of the sexes at this point. So where do we get that from? We'll scoot on over to Genesis 3, right? And so we are introduced to the serpent. And the serpent, we know the story. He's talking to Eve and he's like, hey, listen, you can't trust that God fella. He's trying to keep something from you. What you need to do is go ahead and get your own prosperity. Eat this little fruit here. It's going to make everything right. And so she takes the fruit, partakes, eats it gives it to her husband, he eats, and immediately their eyes are opened. And you see kind of like this conflict for the first time that you had never seen, had been privy to between Adam and Eve. Um, So God comes looking for them, and they're hiding. And God's like, what happened, Adam? And God goes straight to Adam. He's like, "What? what's going on? What happened? Um, And he's like, oh, it's the woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit. mm, Talk to her. The woman you gave me. And so there's automatically the separation between them where they were, where they were moving as one. You start to see the effects of sin that it's ripping at their oneness. It's tearing at their oneness and there's enmity between them and blaming and shaming and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm spending so much time on the story, which you guys probably know, but it's cool. So then God says to Eve, what happened? What, what is this thing that you've done? She's like, it's a serpent. He tricked me. Oh my goodness. And God pronounces judgment, right? In Genesis three, my Bible page is turning out. Sorry. So God, he pronounces judgment. So judgment is not necessarily like boom, boom, fire sticks. Judgment is the natural outworking of the natural consequence of an action or a course of action. So for us in Jacksonville, if you get on JTB um, West and you ride it all the way to the end, you will eventually get to Phillips Highway. That's how judgment is. It's like I have continued along JTB. I can't expect JTB West. I can't expect to get to the beach. I've driven actually away from the beach. So why would I think that I'm going to arrive at the beach when I've driven away from it? The natural outworking of my choice was Phillips Highway, right? Okay, so that's judgment. Judgment is not like God hates you and he's angry. It's like, these are the consequences for your choices. So Genesis 3, it's a little bit long, but we'll start at verse... Mm. 14 is really when he starts handing things out. So, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly will you go and dust will you eat all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your seed. It will bruise your head and and you will bruise his heel. Verse 16 is kind of of importance to us. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your grief and your suffering and pregnancy and the pangs of childbearing. With spasms of distress, you will bring forth children. Yet your desire and your craving will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So now we see hierarchy. Now we see a difference in in um, maybe not value, but position, right? So before they were co-laborers in Christ Jesus or in and God, at least. Um, but now we see that God has put the man over the woman and is, is set to rule over her. And her desire will constantly will, will be for that equality, but she's going to be reaching and grasping at straws. So that's what we see. That's the result of the fall, right? How many of y'all know, getting on my preacher, Jesus came to redeem us. Hallelujah. <laughs> so um, so that's that's the old covenant, right? Old covenant, we see hierarchy. We see um, that sort of 
differing in levels. And, um, and one of the things that I kind of want to point out to you guys is that, you know, we can't apply willy nilly Old Testament scriptures without their New Testament relevance. Jesus spent plenty of time and well, he spent a distinct amount of time in the Gospels and along his ministry saying, you have heard it said, but I am now saying to you. And it's not that he has necessarily lowered the standard. It's that he's reestablished. Sometimes he's omitted things. Sometimes he's added things. Sometimes he's reemphasized something and, and lifted the standard even. So let's check out 1 John 3, 8. And 1 John 3, 8, also one of my favorites, basically says that Jesus came to undo the works of the enemy, right? And so um, he came to undo the curse of the law. That's what we find in Old Testament. It's the law. It's the curse of the law. And ultimately, the fall is the work of the enemy, right? Like Adam and Eve collaborating with the devil. Um, but Jesus came to undo that, to redeem us from the curse of the law and to undo the works of the enemy. So where are we now? We're in the new covenant. We're in the new Testament, but we're in the new covenant, right? And the new covenant is an undoing of, of the fall. It's a, it's a restoration back into original intent, right? And so Jesus has come to bring salvation. He's made sin so that we could be made righteous. Um, he seated us in Christ in heavenly places when we accept him. So. Would it not then make sense that God's original idea for how men and women are supposed to operate in tandem is also reestablished and reemphasized, right? Like that's probably a thing because we're trying to get back to what God's original heart for us was. So let's check out. And then also I kind of want to put a little little tidbit here, like I would really encourage you to go check out how Jesus interacted with women because women at that time and that time in history were basically property. You know, women were, their testimony wasn't valid. It wasn't something that someone could submit into the court of law. Um, women depended upon men for livelihood and protection because they couldn't own property. Um, typically they weren't running businesses, you know, um, they were childbearers. Um, and a woman's worth was often, um, dependent upon her ability to bear male heirs um, because women were, you know, they were worth the price, the price of their dowry, perhaps upon marriageable age, but really your wealth was measured by your sons and, and the worth of a woman was measured by how many sons she was able to have. And so you see that dynamic between um, Leah and Rachel, right? Um, they wanted children, um, but more specifically, they needed to have children because their worth was dependent upon it. And and we see in the story of Ruth and Naomi with the men gone, they were left to basic destitution and poverty. Um, they went back, you know, or at least for Naomi went back to her original home. But it was like, she's like, I have nothing. I have nothing and no one. And that means life might as well be over for me. And and that was really the reality for women without men in the world at that time. But we see Jesus kind of come on the scene and have one private conversations with women, woman at the well, John 4. We see Jesus teach women, not only like in the Mary and Martha situation, but also when he's teaching the 5,000, women and children are, are counted in that number when women were not taught the scriptures at all. Like that was considered a waste. Um you know, Jesus consistently handed out and doled out honor and dignity and personhood to women. The woman caught in adultery, you know, and you can't commit adultery solo. Let's state that fact. So we just let homeboy 
off the hook and she was the one caught in adultery and we want to stone her. Um, but Jesus was like, "Mm -mm, no, that's not what I'm doing. Go and sin no more, but I'm not going to judge you. And so even in the wrong, the Lord is demonstrating his heart for women that he wants grace and mercy and truth and salvation for them just as much as he wants it for them. That Jesus didn't just come for men. Jesus came for women as well. And so as we saw in the fall that men and women fell, Jesus came to redeem and restore men and women too. Um, And his ministry reflects that his ministry reflects that from Mary and Martha to his own mother, um, to all the women that he, he had in his ministry, right? All the women that um, supported him, the, there were women at his gravesite. you know, women went or a woman went and told the story of his resurrection to other men. So like she was probably like the first evangelist, right? <laughs> but anyway, so Jesus's ministry reflected and and really reestablished, reemphasized his heart for equality for women, right? But also as we kind of move past Jesus's ministry into the epistles into Paul and Peter, um Galatians 3:28. Let's let's go there, guys. Um don't know if you have your Bibles with you, but you can always pull up your Bible app, right? But Galatians 3 um as we kind of move into We've moved from Jesus's ministry to what it looks like to be um, to be saved right in Jesus. What does that look like now? So Jesus gave women, you know, dignity and honor and personhood. Jesus ain't here no more. We got the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for us? So uh, Galatians three, you know, Paul is writing to the church of Galatia and he's talking to the Galatians about like the difference between law and faith based righteousness. Right. And he's kind of saying like, all right, so you guys have spent all this time under the law. This is what it looks like to live under grace. And so um, let's see. So let's start at 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, have put on Christ. There is now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is not male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if nothing else... We are all inheritors of the grace of God, right? We are all men and women um, partakers. We eat from the same table of salvation, right? Like my femaleness has not disqualified me or sat me at the kitty table, right? I'm sitting at the same table with men taking and partaking of the grace and salvation of the Lord. One other verse, uh, 1 Peter 3, 7. So this verse, obviously... Um, it's book of Peter, but it's first Peter three and first Peter two is one of my favorite passages because, um, it ends kind of talking about how you should behave when someone's wronged you, um, that you suffer for righteousness. Jesus left us his personal example in doing so. And then we swing over into chapter three and, um, Peter says like in the same manner that Jesus suffered, you know, unjustly for doing the right thing, wives, Hey, submit to your husbands, the ones that are kind and the ones that don't believe in Jesus, because you may win him over with, you know, the way that you live your life for the Lord. Um, and then let's see what I say. First Peter three, seven. So in the same way you married women, Oh, sorry. You married men should live considerately with your wives, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relationship, honoring the woman as physically the weaker vessel, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace of God, God's unmerited favor of life in order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise you can't pray effectively. So again, Jesus, um, through Paul, Peter, just kidding. It's Peter through Peter is establishing again. Hey, 
women are co-heirs. Just like you come up to this table and eat, they come up to this table and eat. They have the same Holy Spirit. They receive the same salvation that you've received. So her parts and your part, like her parts don't disqualify her. His parts don't make him superior, right? It doesn't. Okay, we're going to slow down. So, right. All right. So let's just pause there. So original intent meant that women and men were supposed to be walking together in Christ Jesus. We see that after the fall, we have a hierarchy now. Patriarchy is birthed out of the fall and men are seen as superior leaders, superior um, brains, all that kind of stuff. Jesus comes and he restores original intent. He says, hey, Women, um, you have dignity, you have honor, you have weight. I want you to know the same things I want him to know. I want to teach you like they're taught. I want you to hear the same word, um, experience the same Holy Spirit. Like Jesus, as he feeds the 5,000 and teaches them, women are right alongside their men and their children being taught. And that was unheard of, right? So we see in, we see then in the epistles, uh, this reiteration of women having value and worth that they are on equal on the same plane with men when it comes to receiving the grace of God, that the fact that her body is built differently does not water down the grace of God and the gifts of God on the inside of her. Right. So we should probably do away with all this foolishness. Um about what women, where women can and can't go, what they can and can't say, who they can and cannot minister to, how long they can hold a mic and if they can be called a pastor or not, because it's not biblical. There were women, first of all, there were women pastors that Paul mentions in the scriptures that were pastoring flocks. Um, Jesus had women supporting his ministry that were key people. Um, like it's not biblical. Like this, the hierarchy and the patriarchy are not biblical. They're not God's heart. And if we're going to oppress women, if we're going to silence women, if we're going to limit them to the children's ministry because a woman a woman can't stand in the pulpit because somehow having the parts that she has disqualifies her from holding a microphone and speaking to men, it it, it doesn't it, no, that doesn't that doesn't hold out. That's not what the scriptures teach. That's not what the ministry of Jesus looked like. That's not what the the ministry of Paul looked like. That it's just not in the Bible. Like it's just not in the Bible. Um, and I I know we've got that scripture, that one First Timothy, Second Timothy two twelve maybe, um, that talks about Paul does not permit a woman to teach men. I'm personally still studying that out. I would encourage you to study that out. Um, I've read a, a lot of different. Um, interpretations of the word have authority um, and even just uh, sort of dissection of, you know, is Paul talking about a particular woman in this letter to Timothy that was causing chaos in that particular church? Um, because can we make that a blanket statement that all women are not allowed to teach when Paul, you know, acknowledged women ministers and pastors and things like that in his letters? So, Study that out for yourself, but on the basis of equality, on the basis of us standing at the same starting point and being allowed and being invited into whatever the ministry, the calling, the being that God is is beckoning, beckoning us to, um, n- there is no disqualification based based on gender. That's just not a thing. It doesn't exist in Christ Jesus. We're all co-laborers and co-heirs. We enjoy and come into the salvation of God equally. Um, so then what is the question now for us? For women... If if we stand on equal playing field, the question doesn't become, if I can, it becomes, who am I supposed to be in God? Who am I supposed to be in Jesus now, right? 
And so we've got to be really mindful about going to the Lord and saying, who am I supposed to be? Not filtered or unfiltered by, you know, traditional cultural expectations, religious, extra biblical um, beliefs and perspectives. Like, who am I actually supposed to be as a child of God? What have you called me to? You know, I thought a long time, I I believed for a very long time, the scripture about a meek and gentle spirit was about being like quiet and and a wallflower and not seen, right? And that's not necessarily what it's speaking to. It's not speaking to anything external. It's speaking to a peaceful and gentle spirit. Like, you know, gentleness is a gift, is a fruit of the spirit. You should be gentle because it's it's an exercise, it's a discipline. It's a fruit of seeing that the spirit is taking up residence on the inside of you. Quiet just means peaceful and calm, at peace. Um, and so sometimes we've taken scriptures about you know, what women should, what women should do and shouldn't do. And we've tried to make them what they are not, um, what they are, what, what they're not saying. We try to make them what they're not saying. And so the question is, okay, so who are you supposed to be? You know, if your highest desire is to be a mom, go, you know, do that within the, within the proper, um, confines of marriage. (laughs) Um, but you know, have a skill, have something that you can bring to the table to, you know, be capable, but like, that's an amazing calling. If you're like, "Mm, I don't really want children. That's not really how I'm wired. I really want to go into this business mountain and like bring the influence of Jesus there. Girl, go do that. You know, if you're like, Hey, I want to be a missionary in India. Yo, if that's what God's calling you to go do that, because that's the beautiful thing. You get to enjoy (laughs) the same choices that men have been told they're entitled to Forever, as long as time has existed. If you guys hear rain, it's because it's raining outside and there's no way for me to knock that out. But um, a little interjection. But yeah, like that's that's what God's grace has purchased for you as a woman. It's purchased a full redemption into your your rights as a believer, as someone who's walked back into good graces with God through salvation because of Christ Jesus, you now are called wherever God has called you to. And you can answer that call. Like you want to be a missionary? You want to be a mom? You want to be a businesswoman? You want to be a professor? You want to do all of that and be both? Do all of that and be both, but be exactly who God has called you to because you are eating from the same table. You have the same option to pursue Jesus to the ends of the earth, to whatever he's calling you to, and to do that boldly because he is calling you to them. He has redeemed you. He has set you free. He has set you in Christ Jesus above everything that could be named. Like, go do it. That That is your freedom now. In Jesus, I mean, it's kind of like Jesus did something a little bit extra special for us. Um, he purchased back equality, which for women is something, the lack of equality is something that we feel just uniquely, not uniquely, but uniquely. We see that. We, we taste that. A lot of times that filters and colors our day, our day-to-day life. The pressures, the expectations, the molds, who you're supposed to be, who you're not supposed to be. So when Jesus came and reestablished his original intent for co-partnership, for for being a co-heir, for being, again, you know, a dominion taker, like he gave you that that instruction. Go take dominion. Go multiply. Go replenish the earth. Establish my influence. Bring the kingdom wherever you go. That is your command. It's not like, okay, once I get married, then I can go take dominion. No, boo-boo. No. You do that today. You do that now as a believer and you've been launched into that. That is your calling and it's your responsibility. So, you know, it's not, it's not okay to sit on your hands and wait. You know, it's not okay for me to, as so like for me, I feel called to women, to empowering women, to reveal to them that this is in fact their place. Stand up, 
next to Jesus and whatever man is up there next to him because you are a partaker. He's the first of many brethren. Um, and you a sister, sistering, you know, in, in the faith. But, um, I, I can't sit back and wait and be like, okay, once, you know, once someone acknowledges me and once I get married and my husband legitimizes my ministry and, you know, then we'll have like a co No, I mean, no, I'm called to women today. I have the, I have the same Holy Spirit, one that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That was in a man when it was in an earthly body originally, um, but was in their savior. I have that spirit on the inside of me. What am I disqualified from? Are you telling me that having boobs disqualifies me from sharing the gospel with men for, from teaching men? Are you saying that men don't need, um, this expression of, of God in their lives to teach and train them as well? Like, so men can teach and train me as a woman being a different gender, but I can't do the same. Like, no, that doesn't, the logic doesn't carry. Like, so men can speak on how to be a woman. Like, no, that doesn't even make sense. We need each other. I think it's First Corinthians 11 talks about the interdependence of men and women that the first woman came from a man, but all other men have come from women. Like we are inseparable. We need each other. And so when it comes to ministry and ministering, pastoring, you need both. When it comes to speaking the truth, you need both. It kind of sounds, it's a lot like, you know, this issue of race. We want to make one race superior or inferior when we need all of it. We need each other. There are some things, I was listening to a podcast where the speaker was saying, there are some things that the white community is uniquely able to recognize and bring a solution to. There are things that the African-American community is equally, is uniquely sensitive to, able to perceive and to bring a solution to. There's something that the, you know, Asian, the, you know, Indian, the African, that that nobody is um, disposable, that we need each other. And so for men and women, for God, again, to distill himself into two different beings um, and to say that I've made each of them in my likeness, each of them must have something that the other needs. Because if not, he wouldn't have had to create Eve. Eve wouldn't have been a solution to a problem. It would have been great for Adam to have been alone, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And so women, you are necessary. You are needed. You are an answer to a problem somewhere for somebody. And you are not like, you know, the like the free version of an app. Like, oh, okay, I, I bring something, but um, if a man delivered, it'd be better. No, no, no. Because you are called. It is what people need. Okay. So if God can use a woman to birth a nation, to birth mankind, if God can use a woman to save a nation, to hide spies and bring the Israelites into the promised land, if God can use a woman to govern his chosen people, if God can use a woman to birth the forerunner for the Christ, if God can use a woman to birth the Christ, if God can use a woman to disciple an up and coming evangelist, if God can use a woman to preach the resurrection of the king to other people, can't God use you? Can't he? There is nothing that you are disqualified from or kept from in Christ Jesus. It is all yours. So, my ladies, <laughs> I'm hype, but this is this is everything. You are called to be exactly who God has called you to be. And for you to step away from that because you feel like in some way you're not qualified because you're a woman is a disgrace. For a king to be called to be a king but desire to be a priest is a lesser call. For a priest to desire to be a, to be a king, but to be called a priest is for him to desire the lesser call. You are a woman and God has made you that because it fits exactly 
what his plan is for your life. There are places that you will be able to go and be welcomed into because you're a woman. There'll be places that people will want to keep you out of because you're a woman. That just comes with the territory, boo. But you have been called and because you are called, you are equipped and the doors are already set up for you. The people have already been put in place to open the doors for you. God has already spoken and set aside provision and given you favor. You've just got to walk divinely and boldly in who God has made you to be. And that's like the summary of everything that we're talking about from your influence to your strength, to your capability. God wants you to move fully and freely in the fullness of who you are and who he made you to be. So if it takes embracing your body, if it takes embracing your strength, if it takes embracing your loudness, your funky sense of style, your crazy hair, whatever it takes, embrace who God has made you and run boldly in the direction of your calling. Because to desire to fall to anything less is a lesser calling. So, guys, it's been great. (laughs) Season one is over. It's wrapped up. We're done. It's been eight months, eight glorious months. I've been so privileged to do this with you guys. Um, Just a couple of things. We have... um, walkingwellpodcast at gmail.com. I would love for you guys, as you listen, to send in topics, to talk to me, tell me who you are, tell me why you listen, to talk about the things that you'd love for us to discuss on the next season, because I'm coming back. It's not over like the end. It's just we're wrapping up season one, and I'm going to take a break, recalibrate, hopefully hear from you guys the things that you'd love for us to talk about. I'm thinking about doing a segment on mother-daughter relationships, you know, and things like that. So if there's anything that you would love to hear us go over or talk about or discuss or you've got questions about, send it to walkingwellpodcast at gmail.com. And please, you know, include your name and who you are and why you listen or what you love or just tell me a little bit about yourself and, you know, drop a line about what you'd love to hear us talk about on the next podcast. Um, And also, so you stay up to date and in the know about when we're coming back, Walking Well or The Walking Well Podcast is on Instagram. Um, I just made it and it's actually kind of crazy, but, um, I'll be posting little quotes and tags and things from the past episodes because it'll be a good time to kind of catch up if you've fallen off. Um, but also you'll be able to get an update about when we're coming back when we'll be live again. So it's walking well podcast on Instagram. That's the handle. So at walking well podcast. Um, and it's, you know, just go follow it. Um, there'll be, you know, inspirational quotes and thoughts and all that good stuff. Um, and, um, oh, the resources that I wanted to tell you guys about. So, uh, so Chris Valentin, um, from Bethel church has a sermon called Jesus was the first, um, or Jesus led the first liberation movement for women, something like that. I can always add the link, the YouTube link into the show notes for you, um, Pastor Taffy Dollar wrote a book called Gender Roles that I am tearing up and loving. It's phenomenal. I can't, like, it's crazy that this book isn't in more places, like, on social media and things, but it's a great book. I am digging it so very much. So I can take a picture of it so you guys will be able to see what it looks like, and I'll put it on the, um, on our Instagram page. And then um, Chris Valentin also has a book called Fashion Terrain. Um, that's a good one. Also can take a picture of that one for you guys. What else has impacted me? Um, I think those are the big three thus far. Pastor Taffy has a lot of archived, um, sermons that you could listen to. So you can always search, uh, Taffy Dollar and Gender Roles on Google and it'll pull up her sermons and you can listen to those because that's been pretty influential and impactful for me. 
Um, and then if you find Connie Smith on Facebook, um, she has taught on equality a good bit as well. Um, I'm not sure if her messages are on understandingtv.com, but you could definitely search those from her. Um, but those have been the ones so far that have kind of uh, left the the big impacts. My spiritual mom, Connie Smith, and then Pastor Taffy and Chris Valentin. So, oh, also, I've stumbled on this new website called um, Ezer, E-Z-E-R, rising.com. Lots of stuff on biblical equality, social justice, race reconciliation. They're pretty bomb and doing stuff that I love. So you can follow them on Instagram at Ezer Rising or Ezer Rising. Um, on Instagram and EzraRising.com is their website. And they've got blogs and resources and awesome stuff that I haven't gone through all of it, but it's been pretty thought provoking already. So this is the wrap up of season one, guys. I'll see you back here soon. Be sure to follow us on Instagram so you stay up to date and in the know. Um, and I love you. It'll be a quick break, I assure you. And I'm hoping to come back with some awesome content for you guys. So I love you. Make it an amazing week. Bye. Bye.